0: If you'd like to follow along with me, I'll be reading from John chapter 10, 25 through 30. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Thank you, Dennis. Good morning, church. It is great to be back with you today. I appreciate the elders for allowing Dustin and I to be gone to polishing the pulpit uh, last weekend, and uh, we we were renewed, we were recharged, we were thankful for the opportunity, uh, and encouraged by thousands of people that came together in Sevierville, Tennessee, uh, to worship the Lord, also to uh, to learn more, to grow. Uh, was it wasn't. I believe the conference started out uh, for ministers, but now it's uh, it's grown to. Uh, Different, different people and different walks of life uh, for, for members, deacons, elders, ministers uh, for a number of people and it was great to see all those people together uh, seeking to grow in their walk with the Lord and uh, I, I was thinking uh, I also enjoyed the opportunity to, to spend time with Dustin uh, Dustin's a great guy and uh, I, I love to watch Dustin in action uh, I love to watch his heart uh, do you know That Dustin does not meet a stranger. (laughs) Not at all. You know, it's kind of like the Lord. The Lord didn't meet a stranger, and Dustin doesn't meet a stranger. And it was awesome to watch him in action. We'd be sitting down there uh, eating breakfast, and it didn't matter who it was, whether uh, a motorcycle gang or whatever. Dustin's going to strike up a conversation with him, and he's going to work in there talking about what we're doing and and, and the Lord. And so I appreciated the opportunity to be with Dustin this past weekend and to be at Polishing the Pulpit. I want to thank Ben Coleman for doing an outstanding job, as he always does, uh, filling in for. And uh, just continue to pray for Ben uh, and uh, as in his studies and as he grows and as he uh, gets out in ministry uh, full time in the future. And so we're thankful uh, for what he's doing. And I also appreciate a few weeks ago when I, I had the opportunity to go back to Georgia and speak at the congregation that I grew up as a boy. Uh, they were having homecoming and they asked me to come and speak. I was honored to do so, and I appreciate our young men in uh, re- letting you know about our mission trip this summer uh, in Florida. And I know they did a great job, and also Brother Howard filling in that night. I also want to encourage you about something that's coming up this Thursday. This Thursday evening is the Apologetics Press uh, Benefit Dinner at the Henderson Church of Christ. And so if you'd like to go and be a part of that, uh, please sign the list uh, in the uh, in the foyer. Uh, we'll be uh, going up there, and we need to let them know uh, how many will be going. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, you will be blessed. The food will be good. Uh, and the speaker I know will be good as well. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of John chapter 10. John chapter 10. There's a story about a, an older couple and they were discussing who could, who could hear and who could not hear. And, of course, each one thought, well, I can hear. You're the one that can't hear. And so the husband, he came up with this bright idea. He said, i tell you what, we're going to settle this once and for all. And so they were in separate rooms. And while, the, while his wife was in a room enjoying a, a good book in the living room, he was off in another room, and he, he said, I'm going to prove this, that she can't hear. And he said, honey, would you like a cup of tea? there was no response. And so he decided to go to another room a little bit closer. And he said, honey, would you like a cup of tea? Again, after another response, he goes into the living room where she's at, stands right behind her chair and says, honey, in a loud voice, would you like a cup of tea? And she looks at him in the most annoyed look on her face, and she said, for the third time, Yes. (laughs) some of you will get that on the way home <laughs> some of you might finally hear that on the way home hearing is important isn't it you know hearing is so important that they've done study on individuals who are under under anesthesia as they go into surgery and and this study is indicating that maybe those doctors and nurses attending during this surgery, might ought to be careful what they say. In fact, they believe from this study that when a patient hears things, remarks by the doctors and things like that, he's a goner. That it could have an adverse effect on their recovery. Dr. Henry Bennett, one of the researchers, says, In one study, those patients under anesthesia, they heard a taped voice tell them during the surgery that they should signify having heard the message by touching their ear in a post-operative interview. Later in the interview, when the patients tugged at their ears, although none could recall hearing the message, nor were they particularly aware of touching their ears, Dr. Bennett A psychologist now of the University of California Medical School reports that when patients were given the suggestion during surgery that one hand was becoming warmer and the other colder, the hand's temperature did so. This suggests, says Bennett, inadvertent negative remarks such as, Man, that's a terrible bone graft could interfere with the recovery. You see under anesthesia he says patients may be more vulnerable to upsetting remarks than uh, that they might hear because their normal coping techniques aren't available since they are drugged. Hearing is important, isn't it? Hearing is important physically and hearing is important spiritually. In this text, Jesus or John talks about Jesus as the good shepherd and he talks about sheep. Now sheep are interesting animals, aren't they? They are known as some of the most loyal of animals. In fact, they are so loyal that they would follow their leader, their shepherd, even if they led them into danger. But they're also known as some of the most unintelligent animals around. Many people refer to sheep as helpless and utterly dependent on the shepherd. And so when we think about Jesus and other places in Scripture referring to His people as sheep, that's an interesting analogy, isn't it? And can be degrading. I mean, if sheep are unintelligent, right? We can look at it and say, well, why would I want to be a sheep why would i want to be considered a sheep in fact in our culture if you were to go and ask most people if you could be an animal what kind of animal you would be Oh, they might choose a lion or a bear or a stallion horse but they're not going to choose a sheep and yet jesus refers to his followers as sheep So why would we want to be identified with sheep? I believe John gives us in John chapter 10 at least two reasons why we should want to be considered sheep. First of all, look at verses 1 through 9. John says, recording Jesus, Most assuredly I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his, his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which they, he spoke to them. Then he said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You see, one of the reasons why we need to fill in an honor and be uh, willing to be considered among sheep and likened to sheep is because, like sheep... We are scattered. You see, as Jesus tells this story to these Jewish leaders and others that would hear his voice, there's a backstory to what's happening here. And the backstory is found in Numbers chapter 27, verses 12 through 23. God takes Moses or sends Moses up on the mountain. And and Moses looks out across the promised land, uh, the, the land that God is about to give him, the promised land, give to the children of Israel. And as Moses is about to die, he looks at the promised land, and he looks back over the camp of Israel, and he is concerned. He's worried. He's worried and concerned about leadership. So he asked God, he said, God, I need you to provide a successor for the people. And and notice what the Bible says in chapter 27 and verses 16 and following. Set a man over the congregation, who may lead them, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep who have no shepherd." sheep can be scattered. And as Moses looked at the promised land and looked at the people, he knew they would be without a leader, without a shepherd, if you will. And he asked God, give them a person, give them a shepherd, someone who can lead so that they will not be a congregation of people, of your people, that are like sheep without a shepherd. And this sentiment is echoed all throughout the Old Testament. It expresses the need Of a leader for God's people. So that they will not be sheep without a shepherd. In Ezekiel chapter 34, Ezekiel, he shares this sentiment as well. He delivers the message from God to the leaders and he indicts them. Telling them that because of your self-centered leadership, you are false shepherds. Ezekiel says that to them. God says that through the prophet Ezekiel. You have only fed yourself. You have not fed the children of Israel. You have not fed the sheep, the people. And God sends word to those leaders and says, Because of your self-centeredness, you are false shepherds. You have not led God's people to true nourishment. And here in John chapter 10, John echoes through the words of Jesus this same thought and language. Indicting the leaders of the children of Israel for the exact same thing. Remember in John chapter 9 when the man was born blind? Do you remember what the Jewish leaders did to that man who had been born blind and been healed? When they asked him, who healed you? And he said, Jesus. They cast him out of the synagogue. Jesus would respond in John chapter 10 and He would tell these Jewish leaders, you are not true shepherds. Jesus would use words like you're not true shepherds. In fact, you are like thieves and robbers. You are robbing from the sheepfold of God. The underlying point that Jesus is trying to make is that they're in a leadership crisis. And folks, we need leaders. People need leaders. People need leadership. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say and what this lesson is trying to say. This is not an indictment on the leadership here at Savannah Church of Christ. This is us realizing the need for the true shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. You see, without Jesus, without the Good Shepherd, we can be scattered. And you see, when we're scattered, we're vulnerable. When we're scattered without help, we do not know where life is. Without help, we cannot find true, lasting nourishment for life and for spirituality. It's interesting that in the book of John, John opens the view of humanity. You remember in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to to Jesus. Nicodemus, he is of elite education. He is of spotless lineage. But Jesus reminds him, Nicodemus, that's not enough. You need a new birth. You need a new source of life. It's not within yourself. That's not true life. That's being scattered. John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman. Someone on the opposite end of the spectrum from the Jewish people. An outcast by the Jewish people. An outcast evidently in her own nation because she came to that well alone. Because of her embarrassment. She had a tragic and disastrous relationship history. And Jesus says to her, can't you see that you're thirsty? Can't you see that you're thirsty and you're in need of a better well? You're in need of a better source of life? You know what the reality is? We're all in the same situation. We are sheep. Needing a better shepherd. We're unable to find life without help and often look for it in all the wrong places. And when we do so, we're scattered like sheep in need of a direction, becoming susceptible to false direction and false leadership and false nourishment. But when we surrender to the good shepherd... Jesus Christ. And we hear His voice. We can then be sheep. The next reason that we need to be considered like sheep, we can be sheep who are gathered and led in the right direction. Look at verses 10 and following. Jesus says, The thief, this is John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who has not the shepherd, who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. Being one in Jesus Christ. Therefore, my Father loves me because I, am, I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of this saying. And many of them said, he is a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words... Of one who has a demon, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? We need to embrace the idea of being like sheep. Because like sheep, we can be gathered by the good shepherd. We can be gathered because there is a shepherd, his name is Jesus. Remember back in Numbers chapter 27 when Moses is concerned about the leadership of the people and God provides a new leader? In verse 18, the Bible says, and this is interesting, listen to it. Take Joshua the son of Nun with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Present him to the congregation. The New King James uses the word Inauguration. Have an inauguration before the people, declaring Him as the new leader, the new shepherd. And isn't it interesting that the name Joshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus? Ezekiel 34, God reveals to the leaders of Israel that they would no longer lead His sheep and His people, that He would now seek out the sheep. He would feed the sheep and lead the sheep. And it's a promise that He keeps in Jesus Christ. A better shepherd and a better leader than even Joshua of the Old Testament. Jesus says, because I am your shepherd, you are known and you know Me. You are called by name. And we'll look over at the end of John chapter uh, 20 in a minute. At the end of John of one of those cases. You are are called by name and recognize my voice as the Good Shepherd. Because Jesus is our shepherd, He cares for our church family. And He wants us to listen to Him and follow Him and be gathered by Him. Because He is our shepherd, He cares about us individually. He cares about where you're at. He cares about your pain. He cares about your struggles because He wants to gather you together. He contrasts this to false shepherds. False shepherds in our lives, they will run when it gets risky. Because Jesus says they're like hirelings. They do not care about you, they do not care about the sheep. They are strangers and they don't know you. The false shepherds in our lives, Jesus says, are thieves who only come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus, the good shepherd, comes that we, the sheep, we, His people, John 10 and verse 10, may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. What kind of lives are we living today? What kind of lives are we living in our families? What kind of lives are we living in our workplaces, in our schools? What kind of lives are we living in our church families? heard someone say there's three kinds of christians he says first of all there's those christians that they dive in their christian life they digress in their relationship with jesus it seems like all they do is dive down and go down in that in their christian life they never grow they're following the false shepherd that would only lead to death let's not be divers in our Christian life. He goes on and he says, some Christians go through the Christian life and they're just surviving. They're just survivors. These are the people that are just hanging on for dear life. These are the people that are not growing and not stretching in their Christian life. They are just hanging on and just waiting for the return of the Lord. Remember the talent, the parable of the talents. The thing that the one talented man did differently than the other two was nothing. 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 So let's not be just survivors in our Christian life. And then this individual said, some Christians are those that thrive in their Christian life. And folks, that's what Jesus wants for us. He says, I've come, the thief has come to steal, to kill and destroy, but I've come that they might have life and not just any life, but abundant life. He's come to give life. He's come so that through Him and through our daily spiritual growth, we can have abundant life. You see, Satan wants wants us in our Christian life. He wants us to die. He wants to lead us to spiritual death. Satan wants to say to us, it's all about me. In my family, in my work, in my school, in the church ministry, it's all about me. And Jesus says, oh now, you see, I want to gather you together. Because as the Good Shepherd, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He might say in 2018, I want you to thrive in your Christian life. You see, that's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to live the Christian life. And folks, I stand here today and I tell you, that's a challenge. For me and for you. To not dive in our spiritual life. To not just survive in our spiritual life. But to thrive. And you see when we thrive, what do people, what do other sheep that are scattered take notice of? I want to thrive like that person. I want to thrive like that sheep and I want to be in that sheepfold. Are there areas of our life today that we want to be thriving in? Do we have relationships that we would like to be thriving? Well, that happens when we turn to the Good Shepherd and we surrender to the Good Shepherd and we're gathered by the Good Shepherd and we hear His voice. When we seek to please Him in all areas of our life, Let's realize that life, my family, my work, at school, in the ministry of the church, it's not about me. But it's about the Good Shepherd. Do we want to thrive in our Christian life? Then we need to realize that we need to commit to getting out of our comfort zone and working and planning on ways that we can thrive in our Christian lives and in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our community, and in our church family. You see, God wants us thriving, not diving, and not surviving. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, has gathered us together and given us life. But not just any life. Abundant life. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of John, chapter 20. John, chapter 20, beginning in verse 11, this is where Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb of the risen Savior. She doesn't know he's not there. But when she stooped down, verse 11, and looked into the tomb, she was weeping because of the loss of the Savior. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid Him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. She did not know it was the good shepherd. And Jesus said to her woman, "Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking?" She supposes him, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, "Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away." And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she realized it was Jesus. Her teacher, her Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Good Shepherd. And Jesus says, you are known By the shepherd. And He calls them by name. Are you in the sheepfold of Jesus? You see, evidently, if you're not in the sheepfold of Jesus, you're not known by Him, and you can't hear His voice. And so today we ask, will you give your life to Jesus, the Good Shepherd? Do not be scattered anymore, but be gathered with the sheepfold. The New Testament would call that to be added to the church by Almighty God because of your faith and obedience to Him through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today, and maybe in your spiritual life you've been diving. Maybe in your spiritual life you've just been surviving, hanging on. What better time than now? To be able to walk out of these doors knowing that you've been gathered back with the sheepfold and now you are thriving in your spiritual life. You see, we need to be careful who we follow. We need to be careful who we listen to. Because there's a lot of people who would pull us away and want us to follow them. There's government leaders. There's advertisers and sports figures. There's leading voices in academics and arts. There are many possibilities and many people trying to pull us away and lead us. But Jesus would say, those people that would lead you separate and apart from me are thieves and robbers. Maybe it is today you realize that maybe you need to make a rededication of your life. A return to your first love, the Bible would say, in Jesus. You know what I love about this church and about the Lord's church in general? Is that when people walk down these aisles, you can do so not worried about being judged. You can do so because all of us are broken and all of us are in need of Jesus. And we want to surround you, we want to hug you, we want to love you and say, we're here to help you. We're here to pray with you. We're here to help us all to hear the Good Shepherd as together we stand and sing.
1: Away, hearken the loving call, obey. Come, for he loves you so. holy a step, only a step. Come, for he bled for you and died. He's the same loving Savior yet. Jesus, the crucified. Open to you, the pearly gate. Loved ones for you, now watch and wait. Terrible thought to cry too lame. Jesus, I come to thee. Only a step, only a step, come for He bled for you and died He's the same loving Savior yet, Jesus the Crucified. Please be seated. need a book. We'll sing number 71. Number 71. Has the dear pants pour the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire and I long. To worship
0: you.